When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. I'm Charlie O'Connor, lead beat writer at PHLY Sports, lead Flyers beat writer at PHLY Sports, and I'm here for the PHLY Flyers podcast today with special guest Tyler Zoli, one of our. I'm not Charlie O'Connor. You are not Charlie O'Connor. Wow. Oh man, I got this whole thing wrong. Number one beat writer, Tyler Zoli. <laughs> Number one beat writer somewhere. <laughs> I don't know. Is this like the MCU multiverse? Exactly. Exactly. I'm somebody's beat writer Some, somewhere. Somebody's beat writer in one of the multiverse. <laughs> well, I appreciate you uh, let me hang with you for for an hour or so. Absolutely. So to to let our uh, our listeners and our viewers know, um, Bill Matz was originally scheduled to be here for today's show. Unfortunately, his wife Ava about an hour and a half before we were supposed to record, got into a car accident. Um, she appears to be mostly fine, so thankfully it looks like she's okay, but they wanted to take her to the ER to get her checked out, make sure that everything is legitimately okay, and that is where Bill is at. So Bill is not blowing off the show. He is dealing with a family emergency, and Tyler was nice enough to jump in yeah. and take Bill's place for today. Listen, I'm going to say two things. First and foremost... I send my our, our wishes to to both Bill and Ava because, quite frankly, we talk sports. It's not, it's not important. <laughs> exactly. Like, you know, In comparison is, to that. Life is way more important, so we, we send our best wishes to them. And then the second thing that I'm going to say is, uh, I'm, you, I, I've said this before. You may have seen me tweet this. I believe in transparency. <laughs> if this were the Philly show, we'd run without a hitch. <laughs> I, I, I will give you everything I got. In terms of hockey knowledge. <laughs> I, I, I expect you're going to give 110%. You know, I'm, I'm a, I grind. You're going to get yeah. pucks deep. Yep. You're I gonna, battle along the boards. Exactly. All the cliches you can think of. That's me. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, we have a show today primarily focused on one Matvey Mitchkov. And this is for a couple of reasons. Number one, because we do have a brand new article out there from our very own Alex Appleyard, who is yep. now he, he did participate in uh, the September top 20 prospects list that I do twice a year with him. So he was already serving as sort of a contributor. But today he is making his official solo 
PHLY Sports debut. He wrote a feature on one Matvey Mitchkov, speaking with two of Mitchkov's teammates. Yep. On the KHL team, he plays for uh, Sochi. Uh, we'll get into that article a little bit later. That's number one, why it's a Mitchkoff focused episode. Number two, because Mitchkoff is on his way back. He missed basically the entire month of December. He had a case of pneumonia, but he is, it appears, scheduled to return to action tomorrow for Sochi for his first game since December 1st. So we figured this would be the perfect time to do a heavy. Matvey Mitchkoff show. So I guess to kick it off, Tyler, because you're by your own admission, you're not a, you know, a Flyers expert. Sure. But Mitchkoff is a guy who I feel like everyone in the Philadelphia sports media, sports fandom world, they know him because they know at least on some level that he is the designated next one. He is supposed to be, you know, the star that replaces Claude Giroux. Right. He is potentially a star level player who maybe has the highest potential of anyone they've had in the organization since Eric Lindros. So I'm curious from your perspective, you know, as someone who doesn't maybe like eat, sleep and breathe flyers. Sure. What is your perception of Matvey Mitchkoff and what's your excitement level for? Him? Yeah. So to me, there were, there were three guys. When, when you look at that draft, this past summer and there there were three guys that you go okay if they can find a way to get any of these three you're going to be expediting your timeline significantly the first was a pipe dream it's kind of bizarre once you start to realize that like okay san jose really stinks and uh anaheim was not very good this year columbus was really good and then chicago of course listen (laughs) we're not going to get down to the rabbit hole of conspiracy theories but something something's up between that and san antonio getting the first pick in the (laughs) end you're really taking on the bill the bill roll because bill is a diehard lottery conspiracy theorist too i'm not going to do it but the fact that it was chicago and san antonio and both the nhl and the nba in one season was a little weird to me but Bedard was the pipe dream. The second one was Adam Fantilli. Right. You know, you watch him at Michigan at 30 some odd games played 60 plus points. I mean, just filled it up at Michigan was tremendous. The third was Mishkov. Yeah. And the third was the one where you go, this kid is so intriguing because of timeline definitions with him being at the KHL. And how do you perceive the Flyers timeline versus right. some of these other bad teams timelines. Like does Mishkov make a ton of sense for some of these other teams who maybe want to jump into competition a little bit quicker. I don't think this could have worked out any more perfectly for the Flyers because at this point you've got a team that is overachieving this season and also recognizes and thankfully has a, a GM and an ownership group that is wrecking or maybe not an ownership group, but a front office that is recognizing timeline stays intact, even though they're playing well. I, I feel like Mishkov is just a, a perfect fit, like a marriage that was meant to be for this Flyers team. It made a lot of sense. And obviously the Flyers lucked out. It appears they lucked out in a big way with, with Mitchkoff slipping to seven because I agree. The the other guy who who climbed the, the ladder, he actually ended up getting taken before Fantilli was Leo Carlson. Right. By the end, it seemed like it was almost a four-player draft where it was, you have Bedard, 
You have Fantilli. You had Carlson, who really convinced scouts over the course of that year that he was on that tier. And then you had Mitchkoff, who normally would have been one of the top four. But because of the geopolitical concerns, which we'll get into a little bit later with Russia, obviously, you know, there's a reason why Mitchkoff isn't playing in the World Junior Championships mm-hmm. going on right now, because Russia isn't allowed to, because Russia invaded another country. So there's that. And then there's just the fact that he's under contract till 2026. So the timeline factor, as you noted, normally I would say Mitchkoff talent-wise would have been taken in the top four. The fact that he slipped oh, yeah. to seven was entirely because of factors not related to his potential and talent as a player. The Flyers, however, as you noted, were in a good position to take the big swing. Number one, and this is something that we found out at the draft and in the lead up to the draft, Mitchkoff didn't want to go everywhere. You know, Mitchkoff was open to going to Montreal. He did not want to go to Arizona, who had the sixth overall pick. They were picking right before the Flyers. Like, there's a reason why the Coyotes picked before the Flyers and they picked a different Russian. It wasn't because they thought that Russian was better than Mitchkoff. It's because Mitchkoff more or less communicated to the Coyotes that, hey, like, you guys play in a 5,000-seat college (laughs) arena. I'm not signing with you. So they had to be like, okay, we're not going to draft the guy who doesn't want to play for us, which left the Flyers, who then went and took Mitchkoff. And now the Flyers have a guy who I do believe, and this is more or less what the the Alex Appleyard piece speaks to, I believe has the potential. Not It's not a certainty. We've, we've seen guys who appear to be potential superstars bust out or just be good, not be great. But I believe Mitchkov has the potential to be a top 10, a top 5 player in the entire league. I, I- and that's unbelievably exciting. I think that you talk about the guys that are not a certainty. Let's be honest with ourselves. Like, we could go back to, let's go back to LeBron James. Because LeBron James was a certainty, right? Yeah, in the oh, 2003 yeah. draft. And, and I think Bedard is a certainty, too. Right. Maybe not a certainty to be the best player in hockey, but a certainty to be a star. Sure. So, like, now. over the four leagues. Now, MLB is the hardest because high school yeah. transition's difficult. Even collegiate because metal bats and things like that. MLB is the hardest, but like, and it still happens sometimes. Right, we still but see it Bryce with Harper, Harper, that guy. even Strasburg was, right. and Joe Mauer. Yeah, but yeah. my point is like these these can't miss bona fide legit guys across the the scope of four leagues. They're once every couple years. They're you know once a decade type of stuff. So I think that like if you get a guy in Mishkov who isn't maybe we don't say is an absolute lock, but is pretty darn close to being that guy that we anticipate or could be that guy that we anticipate him to be where like you talked about we were talking before the show like is the comp really a guy like Nikita Kucherov and you're like well that's a guy that averages almost 80 points a game for a (laughs) 10-year career I'll happily take a guy that averages almost 80 points a game over a 10-year career so 80 points a season. Or 80 points, jeez. 80, 80 points, points a game, a game. Would be my amazing. God. That's, <laughs> NA, that's NHL, uh, that's like NHL 05 numbers. Exactly. We used to just wrap around goals. Exactly. Um, but like these, these can't miss surefire prospects, they don't happen often. And so to be basically as close to that as you can possibly get without maybe being that because of, like you said, maybe some geopolitical uncertainty and size and age, like 
this is a pretty good spot for the Flyers to be in. Yeah, and, and I think, and this goes into the Alex Appleyard piece, um, definitely give that a read if you are one of our diehard members. If you're not a diehard member, this is the perfect time to become a diehard member because this isn't going to be the only piece we get from Alex Appleyard. I wanted to make sure that his first piece was a Mitchkoff piece. It was fantastic. Because, like, let's be honest, there's no prospect that people care more about, rightfully, than Mafia Mitchkoff, but... He'll be doing more. We're we're gonna we're hoping this is gonna be a, a you know about a once a month thing only for our diehard members. And what it comes down to is the diehards are the ones that want to read the deep dives on the prospects. Yep. And if you want to be a diehard, we'd love to have you. You get access to our Discord. You get uh, free, um, not free, but uh, uh, discounts on merch. I do believe we have a Mitchkoff shirt looming. I heard um, you get to hang out with Charlie one on one at a concert of your choosing. I mean, it can be. <laughs> negotiate it we can negotiate this but point being is that check that story out if you were a diehard member if you're not a diehard member perfect time to sign up and become one but in that story what alex talks about is he basically breaks down the the intro to the piece is more or less a little history lesson about the khl and you start to wonder okay where's he going with this and where he's going with this is Mavi Mitchkov so far this season, this is counting the one game he played for Ska before he was loaned to Sochi, his current team. He has 26 points in 30 KHL games. That's 0.867 points per game. Since the KHL, it has essentially came out of the fall of the Soviet Union. This is the league that sort of emerged. It's had different names, but it's the league that, that emerged out of the fall of the Soviet Union and out of the end of that version of Russian hockey. Since that time... No Russian player in his draft plus one season has scored at this point per game rate in the KHL. The highest before Mitchkoff, and obviously Mitchkoff saw the rest of the year to go. I guess his, his point production could drop. I'm not expecting it Don't to. Expect it to, but though. it could. But the highest before Mitchkoff, 0.73. Mitchkoff's at 0.86. So it's not even like he's close. He's blowing that away. And the point that that Alex is making is that. Even if the KHL is a little bit weaker this year or the past couple of years than it's been previously, just because some people are leaving, you have players who maybe don't want to play in the KHL because of the geopolitical concerns. It's still a very strong league. It's still one of the top non-NHL leagues in the world. You know, I would still probably put it above the AHL and the SHL, but it's in that realm. Guys that are 18, 19 years old, they don't score at this level. And right. Mitchkov is. So if he's doing things that are essentially unprecedented in one of the best pro leagues in the world, like imagine what he could be doing at age 23, 24 over here playing for the Philadelphia Flyers. However, it wasn't just geopolitics that led to him slipping. There was, I think, a little bit of a concern on the part of some teams about his his attitude, about how he might function in an NHL locker room. There were those scattered concerns. They popped up, which is why I think this piece by um, by Alex is so important because what Alex did, and which is something that you know I don't necessarily have the ability to do, number one, I'm covering the Flyers here. Number two, I'm not in Europe, and I it's hard for me to you know you can't be in two places at once. Interview players, I haven't figured that out who yet. Who are yeah, who have Russian as their first language? Alex, as someone who grew up in Europe and who knows how to do those sorts of things, he interviewed two of his teammates. He interviewed um, it's uh, Gleb uh, Kuryagin, who is the Sochi captain. He's a defenseman, and then he interviewed Mitchkov's line mate, Arter 
Tia Nulian. I believe that's how you pronounce it. Tia Nulian. Um, Tia Nulian is legitimately one of the best players on that team. Well done, by the way. He actually leads the team in scoring. Now, granted, that's in part because Mitchkoff missed um, a significant portion of the beginning of the year while he was still on his other team's roster. But these are guys who deal with Mitchkoff on a daily basis. And I think it's important to know that these guys not only were willing to be interviewed by a an English-speaking writer for a U.S.-based publication about their teammate, they were willing to essentially rave about him. Right. And it makes me feel a lot better because, look, what we're hearing about someone like Mitchkoff's attitude, a lot of it's rumor, a lot of it, you know, it's obviously coming from thousands of miles away, coming from, you know, multiple continents away in some cases. It's hard to know what's true and what's not. But when you're hearing it directly from the horse's mouth, directly from people who are dealing with Mitchkoff on a daily basis, it does a lot to, I think, calm down people and make them think, you know, maybe some of those rumors are just that rumors. Or the flip side, maybe Mitchkoff did have some attitude problems and maybe he's starting to mature a little bit and become a more well-rounded human being who is going to be more capable of making the jump to North America and not being a problem. Well, I think the one thing, too, that barring like just off really like bad, like awful things like yeah just being a normal 17 18 year yeah. old 19 year old like a, no- a normal cocky yeah, teenager like yeah. we all had like a little bit of an attitude maybe coming off of us a little bit maybe somebody I said, was a perfectly nice teenager uh, listen i'm i'm sure you were i'm sure you were great you got straight A's you you were the kid everybody wished they were their kids i'm i'm sure i'm, I'm sure my parents would tell stories about me talking back to but them but like sure. like the the you know we all maybe needed a dose of reality at some point to yeah. become mature functioning adults and that doesn't mean like you need something earth shattering you just maybe you go to college, maybe you get your first job, maybe you um, have like your first adult like I hate to say this, but maybe you have like your first adult loss in a family or something yeah. like that. Like there are different things that make you more mature, and and maybe he just had a little bit of cocky eighteen year old teenage angst in him that has kind of started to wear itself out a little bit, like that. It could very well be the case where it's just, you know, and 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 then you put on top of it, the likelihood is this guy's been the best players ever. Yeah, everywhere he goes. Yeah, every because that's the case for most professional players. Sure, the best player in in you know little league or in you know pee wee or mites or whatever whatever your leagues are growing up. Some point it's you become not the best player, but I don't know if he's hit that yet. Yeah, then you and then you throw him onto professional KHL right. teams at 18 years at old. 18 years old and he's trying to maybe tell these you know 28 year olds who are vets for 10 years what to do right and even if he's right even if he's right that like they made the wrong play they don't necessarily want to be hearing it from a cocky 18 year old very fair and th- this is where some of the stuff comes from but before we get into the details of that because you you, you did a good transition there I do want to get to our first ad read okay and let me tell you about uh, my friends at game time I've been telling you guys about game time for a really really long time and the reason that i do is because i stand behind them i love how easy it is to get your tickets to any event and listen you may want to start looking into getting 2028 flyers tickets because they're going to be expensive (laughs) when mishkov comes over and cutter gotier is here and the team is at full capacity you may want to start thinking can i can i do that can i buy tickets three years in advance i don't know (laughs) if you can but if you want to get some uh flyers tickets for next season or if you want to get uh, you know, concert tickets, Broadway tickets, plays, 
comedy. You can do it on the Game Time app because it's so easy to use. And one of the best things about the Game Time app is that they show you your seat. So you're not having to second guess. I bought a ticket. The row sounds great. The, the section sounds great. I did this the other day. We bought tickets to a concert, uh, me and a couple of my friends, mm-hmm. and we thought they were awesome seats. And we got there. And it was so low behind where the pit was oh, geez. that we had to stand the whole time. Yeah. So you may want to avoid that and, uh, and, and be able to use the GameTime app to see your exact location. And even better, if you are a first-time user, use the code PHLY and you will get $20 off of your first purchase. So maybe that covers parking. Maybe that covers a couple of beers or whatever you like to do uh, when you're at the concert or your, your sporting event. Use the GameTime app. They will have you covered. So, again, download the GameTime app. Use the code PHLY for $20 off your first purchase. Yeah, and I actually used GameTime last week because um, it's funny, actually. I've I've tried to buy this trip for me and my dad okay. for three years. The first, it was it, I, he's never seen a game at Fenway. I've never seen a game at Fenway. And I got us tickets to see a game at Fenway Christmas 2019 for the summer of 2020. Okay. Obviously that didn't happen because of the pandemic. And then I got tickets for to for us to see it last year and I ended up not being able to do it for financial reasons. So I had to sell the tickets. This year we're doing it and went on game time and got really really good season. It was it's funny you mentioned about like being able to see the uh, the image of the spot. Yep. It's huge because I got this great deal on on seats behind home plate. And I'm super pumped. Like we're going to, I think it's the uh, the Kansas City Royals game in, uh, in might mid-July. be a sneaky good team this year. By they the might way. be, they might be. So uh, so I'm pumped for that. But uh, but game time can't recommend them. Can't recommend them enough. It and, was it was a really seamless user friendly experience. And I will say, I know that you are a hockey guy through and through. But there's a place in your heart for baseball. Oh, and 100%. there always has been. 100%. I, you and I and and Renee and Jamie went to one of the playoff games, and it was a pleasure talking baseball with you because it was like. It was seamless, and because you, it, you, you're you're a journalist at through and through. Like you get to be a baseball fan, exactly, which was really cool yeah, to get to hang fun. out with you because you know you're very objective, you're very smart, you're very you know journalistically driven when it comes to hockey. Getting to see you be a Phillies fan, yeah, was, just was scre- cool. screaming, right. yeah, when Bryce Stott cool. hits a grand and, slam. And granted, yeah. the grand slam made things a little bit better, but it was a lot of fun getting to spend that that game with you. So I'm, I'm, I hope you and your dad have a blast. Yes, yeah, I'm sure we will. But uh, getting back to uh, the Mitchkoff story, we were talking about this idea of you know his maturity and and the idea that you know potentially he has you know grown as a person or maybe those pre-draft stories were a bit overblown but uh one quote that and i'm not gonna you know give away the entire piece we want you to subscribe we want you to become a diehard member but i do want to want to highlight a few quotes that that jump out at me from uh, from alex's piece about this in particular uh because it speaks to something you hinted at a few minutes ago um Mitch Koff before the draft, um, obviously before the Flyers took him, he uh, he suffered a, a major tragedy. His, his father passed away. Um, because it's Russia, it's kind of unclear what the circumstances were. I don't want to speculate on what happened. But regardless of how it happened, we're talking about an 18-year-old who lost his dad. Devastating. Sure. Um, Arthur uh, Tianulian, so his, his line mate, he actually spoke on it. And, and he just said that, he sees, and obviously this is not saying that the death of Mitchkov's father was a good thing, but it's impossible for an event like that not to impact anyone, particularly someone that young. And uh, and Tianulian legitimately thinks that Mitchkov is a different person, you know, this season versus last season. He his his quote is this: speaking on Mitchkov, he is an honest man, a normal guy. 
But in the nine months I've known him, he has changed a lot. The big tragedy with his dad. He's come back more mature. Now he is the head of the family. I feel like he's grown up as a person. Last year when I saw him, I saw a kid in his eyes. Now when he came back to Sochi, I see a man in his eyes. And, you know, it's one of those things where we don't wish this upon anyone. I don't think this is in any way, shape, or form a good thing. But life goes on. You have to find a way to deal with whatever life throws at you, as tragic as it might be. And it's impossible to think that Mitchkov wouldn't be changed by that. And maybe there is, maybe he is a bit more serious. You know, maybe he, because he does know that now he is the man of the house of, of the Mitchkov family. And I can't imagine it not having an impact on on his approach sure. and and the way that he goes day by day. And I thought it was very interesting that that his linemate, someone who deals with him probably more than almost anybody on that team, you know basically said that he sees a different Mitchkoff this year in comparison to last year and that maybe you know the tragedy that he suffered had played a role in that yeah I certainly think that it, it's it's plausible to you know recognize again like you said like no one is sitting here saying you know it, it made him a better man exactly. right? like that's exactly. not what we're trying to get at but like there is a certain humanity to yep. losing a loved one that maybe I don't know. It, it does it har like hardens you a it little bit. You. Like I it definitely I, like, changes. You. I, I don't want to. Yeah. Like, it's so hard to talk about something like that and 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 you know find a positive in a negative because it's it's very difficult yeah. to you know talk about loss of, of family members like that. But I, I think that there's probably a, a he's he's probably a different man than he was you know a year ago. I, I definitely agree. And his other teammate in the piece, um, Corey Yegan. Uh, this is the captain, Gleb Koryagin. He's a defenseman. He's a little bit, um, he's a bit more experienced. Both of these guys, though, which I think is really interesting um, from, from Alex's perspective, both of these guys do have extensive experience um, playing in North America. So while sure. they are Russian, um, uh, uh, Tia, Tia Nulian uh, actually played uh, with Travis Konechny in juniors. Uh, really? The Ottawa's, uh, Ottawa 67s, yeah, in the OHL. Um, so he spent extensive time uh, in the AHL in, in junior hockey. So he's familiar with North American hockey. And even Koryagin uh, also spent time uh, when, he was, when he was a teenager. He played in California. Yeah, with the Oakland Junior. With the Oakland Junior, yeah. Yep. yeah. So, so they both have a bit of experience in terms of you know knowing what it might take to succeed in North American hockey. But uh, Koryagin basically said... Matvey always wants to be a leader on the ice. He talks in the locker room and on the bench, but it's not like he's talking about shit, like just about bullshit. Right. He's talking about moments in the game. He's talking about, you know, what we need to do on the ice. And it does seem like, I, I almost wonder if this plays into why he maybe rubbed some teammates the wrong way last year is again, when you're hearing an 18 year old kid, you know, talking about like, Hey, did you see that? Did you see that opening? Did you see what they did on that four check or whatever? And they're looking at him. I'm like, well, why are you telling me what 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 I see? Of course, I see more than you. I played more hockey than you. Mitchkov just might be a hockey genius, and sure. maybe he just can see these things. And it might like maybe he does have to learn to to not be as forceful expressing his opinions. But I don't think the idea that he's he's always talking hockey on the bench and he's always trying to pinpoint you know how to attack the other team. I don't think that's a bad thing at all, and I think both of these guys see it as a positive. Yeah, there's this weird, like, there's this weird dynamic of that that old saying, like, really good players often make bad coaches because they yeah. didn't, like, they don't sit and observe the game. I, and and I get it to an extent because there are certain players across all sports that kids just go, "Well, I can do it. Why can't you?" And I don't think that that's what this is in this instance. I think that this is. 
I don't want to call it a teaching moment, but from a 19 year old, it feels like he is able to provide teaching moments that maybe, you know, 99.9% of professionals, regardless of their age, can provide. And you do, you kind of look at it and go, all right, kid. Yeah, sit exactly. down. Like, yeah, know your place. Right. But maybe you're right. Maybe just. His, his vision on the ice is pure. His ability to find the open spot is pure. You know, we, we know what kind of goal scorer he can be. Maybe it's just a case of this kid is light years ahead of his age. Yeah. And he just knows what he's looking at and is trying to make his team better. Exactly, exactly. And I think, too, and this comes off in the piece because they both, both of his teammates talk about this, his work ethic. And... You know, I, I don't. I, I know this guy has has dealt with injury, so I don't want to bury him. I don't want to 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 you know, essentially shit on his memory. He's obviously not dead. But with Nolan Patrick, like I covered Nolan Patrick, and right. he was an exceptionally naturally talented player who excelled at every step along the way he got to the nhl and i honestly think that he had the potential you know obviously if he didn't have the concussions and the headache problems he had the potential to be a really really good nhl player i do not know if nolan patrick ever not without the injuries ever would have become a really really good nhl player because i don't know i always got the sense with nolan patrick covering him covering him up close that he kind of thought that one day he was going to show up to the practice facility and he was going to be just as good as he's always been. And I don't know if it ever would have clicked for him that like, I need to work my absolute ass off to become what I was in juniors at the NHL level. Like it's not, I'm not just going to be able to show up and be great. I'm going to have to, it's, and it's not, I'm not saying that he didn't work. I'm just saying that like, you have to work an entirely different level to be a great NHL player. And I don't think he ever found that level, whether he would ever, he would have not have had he not had the injuries. I don't know. Maybe at age 22, it would have clicked and boom, then suddenly he's great. But I have my doubts that he ever would have reached the potential that I think his talent would have allowed him to be with Mitch Everything I hear is that this guy is like a hockey addict that just works constantly. And both these teammates in this piece speak to that. It's just that, all he talks about is hockey. He's always in the video room. He's always in the weight room. He got stronger this year. Like this strikes me as someone who, based on what his teammates are saying, is going to do everything he can, both studying and working to make sure he gets the most out of his talent. And that's a really exciting proposition. Yeah, and for that's Fires that's fans. the player that becomes again, I think that we're pontificating a lot on a kid that's never played in the NHL level. And that's yeah. unfortunately, that's all we can do. Exactly. But that's the type of player that becomes great is the guy who knows he's good, has the talent, but also puts in the work because how many guys in any league can step onto the ice, the court, the field, and just be better than everybody else. Like, like Bo Jackson could have done whatever he wanted. Jackie Robinson could have done whatever yeah. he wanted. LeBron James can do whatever he wanted because they're just better than you at everything. 99.999% of, forget athletes, professional athletes need to have that gear, need to have that motor. And some guys have it, some don't. And, and also part of the thing too is that you, know, you have somebody like LeBron James where you know if, if LeBron James just coasted he probably would still have been, you know, a, a six-time All-Star, elite level player, an elite level player. Right. But the fact that he had all that natural talent 
and he absolutely worked his ass off. Right. Now he's one of the five best players of all time, Correct. I'm guessing. And still doing it at a high level at almost 40 years old. Exactly. And it's that, you know, even the super talented guys, what makes them the best of the best of all time is that they combine that exceptional innate ability with the work ethic and the drive to be the absolute best. Like, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of him for on a lot of levels, but like Kobe Bryant's one of those guys where like he probably would have been good, but the fact that he was just like the most intense person, 4 like a.m. gym yeah, workout, like that's what made him into an Got, all-time great, and not just a good in, player. He's getting out, you exactly. know what I mean? Type of like he's heading to his second workout I, of the I, day. Yeah, I mean, I remember, and I was just a a blogger at the time, but with Yarmir Yager, when Yarmir Yager was on the Flyers, he would play, and this is he's in his forties at this right. time. He would play an entire game. And then we would all be typing away on our laptops in the press box, and he would come back out with weights strapped to his pads and do another skate. Wow. Like, and this is what it takes. It, right. it takes that 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 degree of almost insanity where you just you have that much of an obsession with being the best to be the best and to be that good, to not just be a great player, but to be an all-time player. And, but, and I do, the stories I hear about Mitchkov, like I wonder if he legitimately might have that kind of drive. And, and if he does, forget talent. Like, obviously Philadelphia loves talent. If you're good, you're good. Yeah. This city breathes and lives on passion yeah. and like work ability. And is it cliche? Absolutely cliche. <laughs> of course. But like if you can combine the two, if you're that dude and you show that you're going to outclass, outclass everybody by your work ethic, that's the kind of guy that gets endeared to the city for the history of ever. It's that, I mean, it sounds simple. It's yeah. not simple. Like yeah. to be both that great and to have that effort. But like Philadelphia is a simple place. Like we are, we are easy to give appreciation when it's deserved. Yeah, and you watch, like I, I've watched Mishkov play, obviously, and one thing that does stand out about his play, because he's not a big guy, he's 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 not like weak, but he's not big. He's about five foot ten. You know, he's not absolutely like he's not like a super stocky kind of guy. Although he's, as I said, he's not real thin. Like he's got more muscle on him than probably Joel Farabee has had up until this year, right? When he like legitimately packed on some muscle. But you watch Mishkov play, and like he doesn't play small. He attacks the high danger areas. He attacks the net front. He's battling along the boards. I do think he probably needs to clean up some of his defensive play. That there are some, there are times where you know he cheats for offense because he's an extremely good offensive player, and they do that sometimes. But this is a guy where you know he's not a finesse player, despite the fact that he has high skill. He is willing to to to, to get into battles with players bigger than him. And, and win those battles. Like, it's funny you mentioned about, like, Philadelphians and Philadelphia sports fans and the guys that, that they tend to, that we tend to gravitate towards. You know, I'm going back to my time as a Flyers fan. I think that when they were both here, Mike Richards and Jeff Carter were about equally as good. Like, if you're just talking about, Fair. like, the value they provided to the team, probably about even. They were probably around the same quality of player, different ways they did it, but around the same value of player. 
Mike Richards was so much more beloved than Jeff Carter because Mike Richards was the the blood and guts, like I'm going to make right. the big hit and I'm going to battle in the corners. And Jeff Carter, and I don't think this was a completely fair criticism, but Jeff Carter gave off the perception that it was all just so easy for him. Like he was such an effortless skater that it didn't even look like he was trying. Whereas Mike Richards, you watched him and it looked like he was getting the absolute most out of his body. And that's probably a big reason why his career ended so much faster than Carter's did. But point being is that there's a certain type of player that Philadelphia fans tend to like more than others. And I think Mitchkov, while he is an unbelievably skilled player with the puck, that's why he's hopefully going to be a superstar. He does bring some of that grit to the table that I think Flyers fans will really enjoy. We've talked about it on the Phillies podcast the last two weeks now. The Hall of Fame candidacies right. of Chase Utley and Jimmy Rollins specifically. But if you take if, if you strip away the Hall of Fame thing for a second and just talk about pure skill and pure talent, of the three, Utley, Rollins, Howard, I firmly believe Chase Utley was the least talented of the three of them. And I think, honestly, it's a pretty large margin. Rollins was the most talented. Howard was incredibly skilled at what he was able to yeah, do. Yeah, at, at the things at, he was great at, right, he was incredible at. he was incredible at. at. But people beloved, or, or people love, he is beloved in this city, Chase Utley, for effort and grit and grind and determination. Not to say the other two guys didn't have that, yeah. but like you talked about, when it makes, when you put it into comparison, all of a sudden you go, what, wait, hold on. Jimmy Rollins and, and Chase Utley, or uh, Jimmy Rollins and, and Ryan Howard were more talented than Chase <laughs> Utley, right? Like, I think the same could be applicable. Like, and, and I, I joke around when I say this, but if um, if Jeff Carter lifts the puck over a sprawled Anthony Emmy, we might too. have a different There's conversation. That too. Yeah, yeah, that is true. It was it was the high and wide aspect yeah. that did tick people off. But, but I, I, do, get, I get your point. I, I think people would have been maybe a little bit more forgiving of that if Carter would have played more physical and if sure. Carter would have looked like he was playing a more high effort style. You know, versus Richards, who like, hey, you know, Richards could have made plays in that game too, but. Everyone thinks much higher, I feel like, of Mike Richards because Mike Richards, he played more of a, a normal Philadelphia Flyers style versus yeah. Carter, who is a little bit more of just your your pure goal scorer. Simplistic, unfair, probably all of those things, um, but it's, it's where we're at. Yeah, yeah. Um, so going into, I guess, our next ad read, uh, FOCO. So, uh, so FOCO, as you all know, uh, leading manufacturer of sports and entertainment, merchandise, and memorabilia, the product line that includes apparel, accessories, toys, collectibles, novelty items, and more. Now, I know, I'm certain, that quite a few of our listeners probably use FOCO to buy Christmas gifts, but here's the thing. You might not have had that first Christmas gift hit the right mark with the person you gave it to. Maybe you need to get a quick replacement, or maybe you got some some money at christmas maybe you have some spending money to spend on yourselves and if that's the case why not check out foco they have great stuff they have great philly merchandise they have great national merchandise we have a ton of foco merchandise stuff back back here it's great stuff so (laughs) highly recommend you know we're talking about the end of football and tailgating season so if you need your overalls your hoodies your hats your sunglasses if it's an early game your bags everything you need for a game you know foco has hooked phly up so much provided awesome pieces for our sets as tyler just mentioned they've provided awesome pieces for us i know a bunch of us are wearing the uh what the it's a philly it's a philly thing, it's a philly thing shirt billboard on the show great quality stuff 
Um, but Foco always has our back for Philly sports and they have yours too. Get the best gear around by using the link in our description for non-presale items. Use the promo code PHLY10 for 10% off. Tyler, I'm sure you've had great experiences with them as well. Yeah, and you know, it's funny too. I look at the, uh, the It's a Philly thing and, and, and I think... People just overarchingly say the ugly sweater. <laughs> this one's not particularly it's ugly. It's I a wear nice, that out about. It's a nice yeah. sweater. Like, and I know it's just that's the style. Like, that's what it's become is that style of sweater is called ugly sweater. I'd wear that to the game. Oh, yeah. It probably keeps you warm, too. I'm sure it does. I mean, I have an ugly sweater. I have a, an ugly Christmas sweater that has, it's like an otter or something. Uh, it, it's ugly. Genuinely it's ugly. It's genuinely ugly, and that was the point. That is not an ugly sweater. No. That is a, like, oh, I'm showing up to a Christmas party or a holiday party, and that sweater. People are going to ask you where you got Exactly, it. and they might buy it for themselves with FOCO. Nice and easy. Nice and easy. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, we've done a lot of the talking about Mitch Koff's upside and about the exciting aspect of it. I do want to talk a little bit about the concerns that pop up about when he's going to come over. Obviously, he has the contract where he's not technically available to sign an NHL contract until 2026. Now, we'll get into this. That's not necessarily the case if the craziness of everything that's going on with uh, with Fedotov and the NHL and the KHL and their relationship. Maybe that could be fudged a little bit. But this came back up this week because there was a big brouhaha on Twitter about something that was said on a KHL broadcast. There is a uh, there's an accounting, it's like Hockey News Hub, um, where it's basically, I think it's it's someone in Canada who is uh, is is fluent in Russian who watches all these KHL broadcasts and then tweets out updates about all of the top KHL prospects. And basically this person said that um, one of the agents, a Russian agent who does represent multiple Flyers players, he represents uh, Yegor Zamul, actually, it's one of his clients, um, said that we have an order from the president, so that would be Vladimir Putin, uh, according to which young players should stay here in Russia. And essentially what the, um, what the case, what was presented on the broadcast was that there is a five-year threshold for young players, that, five, that young players have to spend five years in the KHL or in Russia before Putin or the people working under Putin will approve them leaving Russia. People obviously lost their goddamn minds. What I will say about this is that I do not doubt that that was said on a broadcast. I do not doubt that that agent was not lying. However... This is such a fluid situation, not just with regards to the geopolitics of everything with regards to you know Russia's invasion of Ukraine and all that, but just with regards to how individual players are treated. Like we talk about the, the Ivan Fedotov situation where Fedotov was not allowed to go um, and join the Flyers. Now he's staying in Russia, even though technically the IAHF has agreed that his contract should be deemed valid. His NHL contract should be deemed valid. There's a big fight over it in the international side. But Fedotov was not allowed to leave. A bunch of other Russian players were. So it's not like, you know, Putin put up a big wall and said, you're not allowed to leave. Fedotov just happened to be the guy who got screwed over by all this and had to deal with uh, with, with military service. A lot of other guys were allowed to leave. So while I don't believe this is untrue, I do not think this necessarily means that Mitchkov is going to be stuck in Russia for five more years. And I don't think people should be panicking this much what i would implore people is just to to remember that this is a very complicated situation in a country that kind of makes its own rules and 
one of the risks of drafting Mitchkoff is that it's possible that someone could have a bone to pick with him and it could be much tougher to get him out of the country than otherwise. But it's also very possible that Mitchkoff will have no problem leaving once his contract is up and it'll be smooth and easy because that's what happens with, honestly, the majority of Russian players that come over. So not saying don't be worried. I'm just saying don't panic yet. I think the um, the unfortunate part of the Fedotov contract specifically it almost again you like you said they basically do whatever they want exactly um and 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 I'm going to I'm going to preface this by saying neither of us are experts no, in this field no, which but, is why it's tough to talk about but I will say I I almost feel like that contract situation because of how it transpired he's almost being used as an example oh he absolutely was like, being used as an like like yeah. see what we can do yes if you don't abide by the rules that we've set forth yes. or or what even to a point of what we perceive you're doing, even if you maybe are not doing it. Exactly. Um, that one, it feels like he was just being made an example of. And I, I do understand Flyers fans um, discouragement when they look at that and then they look at Mishkov's contract and, and you go, oh boy, does this happen again? I, I, I doubt it, but like you said, this is a very fluid situation, and and the one thing that I am trying my best to do is, uh, as you 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 know s- sift through some of these reports and rumors and things like that, what's genuinely real and what's genuinely a rumor? Yeah, hard to differentiate, but we're gonna have to try. I, I think what it really boils down to, and like this is this is the the concern about a high profile guy like Mitchkov is that look. If Vladimir Putin wakes up one day and decides he does not want Mafei Mishkov leaving Russia, Mafei Mishkov will not leave Russia. Correct. Like, that's just the way it is. That's what happens when one person runs a country. Like, he can just decide, now nah, I don't want him leaving, like, tough shit Philadelphia Flyers. I don't think that's going to happen, but that could. And that's why everyone has to be worried until the minute that Mitchkov has signed a contract and is playing in the NHL for the Philadelphia Flyers. That said, like... This is just something that everyone's going to have to accept that like this is part of it. That part of it is that once every two or three months, something a story like this is going to pop out and everyone online is going to lose their minds. And then in July and August, you're going to see a bunch of players come over to, for development camp from Russia. And it's going to be like, oh, OK, it's not like they're not letting anyone leave. I, I just this is not a hard, fast thing from my understanding. This is something where, you know, once every three or four months, I just think that there's going to be something that comes out where it's just a reminder that the higher ups in Russia can flex their muscles if they want to. And and it sucks. It sucks that, that, that we have to deal with this in the context of a player like Mitchkov who has this kind of upside, who could have this big of an impact on one organization that is thousands of miles away from his country of origin. But it's just what we're going to have to deal with. And really all we can do, all Flyers fans can do, is cross their fingers that he's not a guy who gets made, exa- made yeah, an example out of. We're, we're going to walk on eggshells yeah. the entire time. Yeah. And, and it sucks. It, it but really it's just does. the reality of the situation. And, and we're all going to look back and say, take yeah. that big sigh of relief when he finally does come yeah. to the United States and to Philadelphia. And I expect him to be quite good i mean that's yeah, exactly. we're putting a lot on the kid's shoulders sure but are. like not only are we expecting the, him to be here eventually but to be 
like uh, not just a focal point, but maybe the centerpiece of this whole thing. Yeah. You know, because of like we talked about that timeline shaping up in in what feels to be a really good way. Um, it, but un, until that time, me, you, everybody in this chat, and everybody that considers themselves a Flyers, uh, I, I won't say fan because that's not fair to you, a Flyers um, conversationalist. I think we're all in the Flyers ecosystem. Yes, in the ecosystem, <laughs> in the ecosystem of the Philadelphia. We are Flyers. all going to sit here and, you know, wait with bated breath, basically. No, people. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas rightfully are going to have angst about this. And that's why like, I can't get mad at people for seeing something like this and freaking out. Because, of course, this guy is such an important part of what the Flyers are trying to right. build. We're looking at the Flyers right now. And I've been having this debate with people on Twitter for the last few days. But you look at the Flyers right now. This is a team that is really good at 5-on-5 five five in terms mm-hmm. of carrying play. This team has a really good penalty kill. They have a Selkie contending center. They have a 40-goal winger. What do they not have? They don't have high-end superstar-level talent, and that absence shows itself most in their absolutely horrific power play. Well, Mafe Mitchkov is potentially that guy, which is why, like, man, if you could just pop Mitchkov on this Flyers team now, like, suddenly the Flyers could be cooking with gas. Granted, this contract is until 2026. Is there a chance you could get out of it early? Like, to me, yes, there is a chance that Mitchkov can never come over because of bullshit. There's also a chance Mitchkov could end up coming over earlier in part because of bullshit. Because seriously, because like one of the one of the things that this Fedotov situation does open the door for is that the way that this has always been structured pre-invasion of Ukraine was the NHL and the KHL essentially had a, a memorandum of understanding where we do not like we both will respect each other's contracts. Like we will not try to poach guys. If a guy is on an NHL contract, that contract has to be torn up before a guy can go over and play in the KHL. And if a guy is a KHL contract, we're not going to be stealing your guys. Well, what happened was when Russia invaded the Ukraine, the NHL suspended the the understanding. But while they formally suspended the understanding, they basically said, we are still going to follow it. That technically we do we do not want to have any paperwork with a league that has ties to Vladimir Putin and the Russian government, but we are not going to be the one who breaks this truce. Well, with the Fedotov situation, the KHL has kind of broken the truce because the IAHF has ruled essentially that the Flyers do have Fedotov under contract, and Fedotov's KHL team has basically just been like, yeah, we don't give a shit. He's playing for us and he's been playing games. So now the KHL has broken that agreement. In theory, and I'm not saying the NHL will do this, but the NHL could in theory say, okay, our willingness to not to, to respect your contracts, that's done because you're not willing to respect ours. So we are going to tell our teams that, hey, if they want to sign one of your guys to a contract and then have him come over here and just refuse to play for his KHL team, like we're not we will we will register those contracts as legal contracts because clearly you're not respecting our contracts either. So I'm not saying it's going to happen. What I am saying is that 
the Fedotov situation does open the door in theory, and I talked about this on one of my mail in one of my mailbags. It does open the door in theory to the NHL approving a contract, a, a Mitchkov NHL contract, while Mitchkov is still technically under contract in the KHL. This is where it gets to a point of we almost have to start if if that happens, if that hypothetically happens, we're gonna have to play a game of worrying about player safety yeah and, and and that's the big reason why like people say well can you just like just just have him defect and like yeah when when it was the cold war sure that was a thing the reason why i will never advocate for that and be like yeah just go over and get mitch Koff or have him you know take a trip and never leave and come back to come to stay in north america is i worry about his family I right. worry about the potential repercussions of the family members that Mitchkov would leave in Russia because if they can't get to him, they can get to people he's related to. And that's why my ideal scenario would be the two sides come to some sort of agreement where Russia and the KHL are okay with Mitchkov leaving and then Mitchkov leaves and everybody's happy. The th Whoever ends up doing the part political, part sports, all humanity piece on the comparison, because you, you talked about players defecting. Yeah. The comparison between Major League Baseball players defecting from Cuba mm. for all those years yeah. and this, I don't envy them because it's going to be an incredibly difficult piece to write, but it will be an eye-opening piece for a lot of readers. Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if, if or when or how it happens, but... I, it's going to be very, very jarring. Yeah, I, I mean, I think where I'm at with Mitchkov is I really, really want to watch Mitchkov play for the Flyers, but I really want him to play for the Flyers via circumstances that does not put anyone's safety in jeopardy. Right. That's that's the biggest thing is like humanity over sports. Yeah, 105 out of 100 and 100 times. You know what I mean? Like exactly. All day and twice on Sunday. That. That's where the difficulty lies. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, I, I don't have a transition yeah. from that. Okay. I just I just have to tell you about one of our sponsors. <laughs> um you're gonna go, wow, Tyler, you're 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 a jerk. Because <laughs> I don't have a transition to it's that. It's kind but, of an impossible. But one. I do have to tell you about one of our uh, our newest sponsors, which is Rocket Money. And uh listen, everybody has subscriptions or um, something that you're paying for. I found out recently, Charlie, okay. that, uh, so a little backstory on me. I, my first job I took out of college was in, uh, like lower portions of Delaware, like the Rehoboth beach okay. area. Okay. I found out recently, uh, I stopped working there in 20, 2018. I was still paying my gym membership there. Didn't had no idea, but it was just coming out of my credit card. Rocket mortgage or rocket money, excuse me, helped me find that where I had a understanding that I'm going to get 25 bucks back every month <laughs> because I don't live there anymore. And uh, they helped me to be able to lower my subscription costs. That's really cool. And uh, since then, uh, Renee turned me on to Rocket Money and I've been using it ever since. Um, you can get alerts if you have an increase in subscription fee or if you were one that didn't negotiate your uh, subscription. Um, Rocket Money will help you with that as well because it is a personal finance app that finds and cancels all of your unwanted subscriptions, helps you lower your bills, helps you with your spending. And if you have any wasted money, they'll even try to get you a refund over the last couple of months and negotiate your bills 
lower for you up to 20%. They have over 5 million users and uh, Renee was struggling with the 4.9999 million <laughs> thing today. Um, they have over 5 million users that have helped them save an average of $720 a year with over 5 Hundred million dollars in canceled subscriptions. So stop wasting money on things that you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to RocketMoney.com/phly. That's RocketMoney.com/phly. One more time, RocketMoney.com/phly. Great job. I, I'm I'm sorry. There was no. It, I, I had, we we have to get it in. We have I to had get nothing. It in. And and Rocket Money is a great a great partner of ours. So. We definitely want I, to. I, uh, yeah, like I, I realized it. I'm like, well, <laughs> we're almost done the show and Tyler hasn't done a second read. And um, we just talked about something very deep. And I got to tell you about I got to tell you about money. Tell you and about I'm money. like, I, I, there was no good way to go about it. So I'm sorry, everyone. <laughs> I, I, I do love this from uh, from Mr. Twitzer. Humanity over sports and also humanity over subscription services continuing oh, to charge man. you. That would have been a good transition. <laughs> might might have been it might be a better one for uh for the comment section, but it would have been it would have been a high degree of difficulty. Key right just says bruh. <laughs> bruh. <laughs> but uh we're we're coming up on the end of the show, but I do want to talk a little bit about the other blue chip prospect for the Philadelphia Flyers. Obviously, Mitch Koff, number one on our top 20 list back in September. Number two, however, not quite the forgotten man. I definitely think that everyone is very excited about him too. But the other Flyers top prospect, top 10 in most lists that you see nationally. Carter Goche, he was the fifth overall pick in 2022. Um, still quite young, but and still young enough to play in the World Junior Championships for Team USA. He played his first game for Team USA yesterday against Norway. I watched the entire game. And Gautier, to be clear, he is expected to be the star of this U.S. team. Not the only star. They have that entire great line uh, from the U.S. National Team Development Program uh, with uh, with Ryan Leonard, Will Smith, and, and Perot. Um, so he's not the only guy. They have a couple other really good defensemen as well. So he's got, he's got help. But Gauthier is expected to be the number one center, one of the top scorers on that team. The whole U.S. team in that first game, it was the first game of the tournament. They're all seemingly trying to play themselves back into a cohesive hole. The team didn't play that great. I think they were expected to blow out Norway. Norway actually kept it very close with them for quite a while. Gauthier, I thought, for the first two periods was relatively underwhelming. But you did see in the third period... The, the the potential and the ability of Gautier. He gets a nice assist on an Isaac Hauer power play goal and nearly scored a goal of his own, had a couple other nice setups on a power play. You're starting to see the Gautier that was promised in that third period. You're hoping that Gautier comes out there more over the course of the tournament. Gautier is a little bit different than Mitchkoff and that I think the main concern with Mitchkoff is getting him over to the US. Sure. Like the main the, the idea is like if he just gets over here, he's going to be great. With Gautier, he could be great, but there are a few more legitimate concerns about his game that he will need to improve upon if he wants to like I let me put it this way. I think Cutter Gautier is almost guaranteed to be a good NHL player. I think his floor is, you know, quality middle six winger who scores you 40 to 50 points a, game, a season. And, like, that's, to be clear, that's, like, worst case scenario. Sure. He's going to be an NHL player, and he's going to be a perfectly solid NHL player, even if everything goes wrong. But for him to hit his ceiling, which is first-line center who, in his best years, can score 50 goals, 
he's going to have to improve his consistency. He's going to have to continue to get a full handle on playing center well enough to thrive at it at the NHL level because he was a winger, uh, prior, primarily a winger prior to uh, to enrolling in college at, uh, at Boston College. And he's going to have to just play with more consistent intensity because he does appear when you watch him at times to, you know, have really good shifts and then really bad shifts. And in college, you can get away with that. In the NHL, probably can't. Not so much. Exactly. But I do think that we should talk about the upside of Cutter Gauthier because if Cutter Gauthier hits, he'd be real friggin' good. So going through some stats here, 23 points in 17 games as a sophomore. That's pretty darn good. 13 goals in 17 games. Also really, really good. But what really sticks out about Gauthier are some of these shot metrics, which are absolutely bonkers. So I'm I'm citing Ryan Lambert's piece at EP Ringside, another subscription-based site, but highly recommend. They do great work, especially if you're a prospect fan. Let me put it this way. If you are... If you're into prospects enough that reading this Mitch Goff article as a diehard member is enticing to you, you're going to love the content they produce at EP Ringside. Just going to give them a shout out. There's a lot of good people working there. But on, in Ryan Lambert's store today, Gautier has played 20, uh, 17 games as a sophomore. He has 94 shots on goal, 168 shot attempts. That's 5.53 shots on goal per game. That's nuts. And here's a perspective as to how nuts that is. And again, He's doing this in college. This guy did this in the pros. But since 2007, there's only been one NHL season by a player in the NHL who's averaged more shots on goal per game over a full season, and that's prime age Alex Ovechkin. That was my going to be my guess was <laughs> Alex Ovechkin because you put him on – like when you think about a guy who has when, – when it's called like the Ovechkin spot yeah. on the power play – like that's two to th- that's yeah. two right there. It's like, his spot. You know yeah. what I mean. So you, you when you think about guys that generate that many shot attempts, especially that many shots on goal, yeah, he's the only one that's comparable. Yeah, and the people I talk to in the scouting community, like, there's it's not that stats don't matter when you're evaluating players, when you're evaluating guys in juniors, when you're evaluating guys in college, they do, but. There's there's contextual things you have to look at. There's style of play. There's the fact that like, hey, if this guy's five eight and a mediocre skater, but he's really skilled, like, yeah, he might be able to do that in juniors, but he's not necessarily going to be able to do that sure. in the NHL when everybody's bigger, faster, and stronger than they are in juniors. But the 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 two stats that well, the the one stat really that I always hear people that I respect in the scouting community say this one actually matters is shot creation. Because if you can create your own shot at lower levels for yourself and you have the ability to just be a shot generation machine, that tends to translate because that shows that you're not a passenger. That shows that you're driving the bus, that you have the physical ability to get open and to carry the puck into areas yourself to create shots for yourself. Now, it's not going to be as easy to do it at the next level, but if you show an exceptional ability to do that at the lower levels, parts of that, significant parts of that tend to translate. And it's very exciting to me that Gautier, and granted, a lot of this he does generate on the power play because he does have this incredible shot. That's one of his best his best strengths. But the fact that he's shooting this much in college, so much more than pretty much everybody else in college, like this guy could score a lot of goals at the NHL level. There are certain stats across all sports where you go, okay, that's a nerd stat, but it it works. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think baseball is the most um, offensive at the nerd stats, but like some of the, I mean, even the NBA, like what the hell is Raptor? 
It's just made up. Vorp, like, we're making stats up. But there are certain, like, I, I call them nerd stats lovingly because right. I adore them. I know you like yeah. them as well. We got a couple of people at PHLY that, like, we would have, like, nerd stat conversations oh, yeah. and we all get really excited. Oh, yeah. Um, that 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 is one. Shot creation is an important stat. Like, I know that it's not tangible in the stat, like, in the, 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 the stat column. But it, it, it is a intangible, important factor to determine if somebody can genuinely play on their own in terms of playmaking ability yeah, yeah. and, and goal-scoring opportunities. You, you have to look at these computer numbers and use them at a, with, you know, kind of with a grain of salt a little bit. That's one that, help, that holds water. Yeah. It holds merit. Yeah, it's just because it's not like you can put up points in college and not be the one driving the bus. Right. Where, But the guys who tend to have their games translate the best are the ones that are driving the bus for their team in, you know, in the OHL, in the NCAA, in the NCAA you know, overseas or whatever. And Gautier very much is driving the bus for his BC team. He did it last year. He's doing it to an even higher degree this year. And when you're doing that with the quality of shot, like, I don't think it's a crazy argument to make that, like, Cutter Gautier may have one of the, like, let's say, 30 best shots of any hockey player alive right now. And I'm, I'm, it's bold. And I'm counting, like, NHL players in this. Like, his shot is that good. Now we'll see if it translates. Like I'm not. I'm, it's possible that he hits the NHL and he just can't score because he isn't deceptive enough. Because goalies are just better. But the way that he's able, the velocity, the accuracy, like there aren't that many people alive that can shoot the puck as well as he can. And when you add his size and his skating ability, like he's not. I'm not saying he's a he's a Connor Bedard, Connor McDavid level skater. What I am saying is that for a guy who's six foot two, six foot three with a ton of muscle, he's a really good skater. And when you're that big, you don't have to be as good of a skater to get to open spots because you can just go through people. Well, and the one thing that you mentioned was that, you know, the 23 points combined for him between goals and assists. BC scored 60. Did I say BC? Yeah, Boston Yeah, BC scored 65. I was, I was like second-guessing myself after I looked at the numbers. <laughs> uh, they've scored 65 times this year. That means he has created or directly scored on more than a third of their yeah. goals scored. Yeah. That's significant to yeah. me. I mean, I know that, you know, they, they're 13-3-1, which means they've played 17 games. Yeah, they're they're one of the best, if not the best college team they're in, legit. The league, in, the, in the country. They're and, real freaking good. And so the fact that he's contributing to well over 33% of their goals scored this year is significant. Yeah, I think the big concern, and this was the big debate that's that's popped up on social media, and it's a reasonable debate. It's the idea of whether he's a center or a winger. Because when he was taken with the fifth overall pick, the Flyers took him, one of the big reasons why they spent that high of a pick on him was because they took him with the belief that he can become an NHL center and become a darn good NHL center. Despite the fact that there, te- there, there tends to be an assumption, and it's a mostly correct assumption, that goal scorers are usually wingers and playmakers are usually centers. Right. The position does lend itself more, the center position does lend itself more to playmaking because you're not necessarily the guy who's carrying the puck up through the neutral zone because you're the guy down low more often in the defensive zone. You have a fur- further distance to go. You tend to be the guy that comes a little later and whatnot. The guys who are lugging the puck through the neutral zone, driving the net and shooting, they tend to be wingers. 
they believe, the Flyers believe that Gauthier can be a center. He's playing center of this tournament. He's played center at Boston College. He's succeeding in that role. Obviously, it's a different story doing it at the NHL level. And that's going to be the big the big question surrounding Gauthier. Because as I said, it's very hard for me to envision a scenario where Gauthier isn't a good NHL player. It's getting increasingly difficult for me to envision a scenario where he isn't a great NHL player. But I'm not all the way there certain that he can be a great NHL center. Like, he could be a guy who, and I think back to Jeff Carter's time in Philly, where Jeff Carter bounced back and forth. He would have, you know, a half season where he played at center, and then he'd move over to wing. Right. Like, thinking back to the, uh, the the cup final in 2010, he was on the wing because he was on a line with Mike Richards at center and Simone Gagne at wing. And they're like, all right, well, I guess you're a wing now. They want him to be a guy who's so good at center that you can't move him out of the middle. And, and- I don't know if he's going to be that. And not that this is the only metric to play the the center position, but the Flyers' faceoff numbers are at about forty seven percent this year. Yeah, they're the, the big thing I think that's hurt them in that regard is that they were expecting Couturier coming back to juice those numbers to be as good as he's been his entire career. And basically, instead, he's just been a fifty percent guy right. because he's kind of trying to get back into the swing of things. But yeah, as, as a faceoff team, the Flyers went from when they had Couturier. And Giroux, Giroux, they went from being one of the best faceoff teams in the league to now being one of the weaker ones. And, and it's be kinda, nice to have better faceoff guys. It's kind of funny, like this faceoff statistics are a number that like four, three to four percent is drastic. Because you guys talked about, it. I was producing a show for you guys a couple weeks ago. When you when you have a faceoff, I mean, this sounds silly because you know it's one v one. The numbers are legitimately almost a toss up over years of data. For team, you know, team yep. numbers. So for the the Flyers to be at 46% to get to 48, 49 is not terribly demanding. Yeah. But it would shoot them up in the in the rankings. They're like 28th, I think, right Sounds now in, right. in, in yeah. faceoff percentage. You get to 48, 49, all of a sudden you're like 15. Like, you know, right dead smack in the middle of the league. It, it certainly, it's significant. It certainly wouldn't hurt. And and I think the big thing too, and this is something that again. It's a big, it's a big topic of angst for Flyers fans on social media. But I think the right to be to be worried about it is that it's very difficult to be a cup contender if you don't have a high end number one center. Fair. Right now, the Flyers have Sean Couturier, who I think is playing like a number one center. But he's not like a superstar number one center. He's a really, really good two way player who, in terms of overall impact can produce the impact result of a number one center. But he's never going to be a guy who's going to approach 90 points in a season. Fair. Like, that's just not him. That's not his game. Mitchkoff can be that guy, but I think Mitchkoff is a natural winger. I know he played a little bit of center in the preseason. The conversation I've had with people in the Flyers organization, they're basically like, hey, yeah, if he can figure it out, we'd love it if he's a center, but we view him as a winger. Gautier is the guy who they view as the center. And there's a concern where if Gautier is a really, really good forward, if he is a 45-goal-year first-line left winger, that's awesome. But who the hell is the first-line center if Mitch if, sure. if, if he's the first-line left winger and Mitchkov is the first-line right winger, who's the center? Where are they getting that guy? Like, it's not Morgan Frost. It's not Noah Cates. It's probably not a 34-year-old Sean Couturier. Who is going to be that guy, which is why it matters so much that Gautier does stick at center. There's a chance that this team is going to have an immense uh, collection of talented forwards over the next couple of seasons, and they might have like 12 wingers. Yeah, exactly. And, and like that's one, a fear. And one it's a concern. And, you know, like, because even some of the, the guys that are here now that I think, like, I like Owen Tippett's game a lot. 
And yeah. does Owen Tippett stay for the long term? I don't know. I well, I, I, I think so, but we'll I, see. I would hope so, yeah. but not a center. No, you know, all these guys like not. you know what I mean? Like all these guys that like you look at and and even maybe as they move down the line depth chart as more talent comes in, they're all wingers. Like yeah. <laughs> where does the center productivity yeah. no, come you're, from? You're right. You've got you got Tippett. You've got Farabee. You obviously have Mitchkoff coming. You have Bobby Brink. You have right. Tyson Forrester. Like, you have a lot of guys. You have Konechny, of course. You have a lot of guys where, yeah, they're all legitimately either really good or have the potential to be really good. They're all wingers. The center thing is a problem. So that's why I feel like in this World Juniors, that's what I'm going to be watching the most when I watch these Cutter Gautier games is how comfortable does he look in the middle? Do I think that he can do this at the NHL level? But I think that that that's a probably a good place to end it. I yeah, think we've we've had a good show. We'll have more updates on uh, on Cutter Gauthier's play in the World Juniors. This is going to be going on for like another week or so. The U.S. is one of the favorites, so they could potentially go so far as the gold medal game. Be very fun to see if Cutter Gauthier can can carry this team to uh, to World Junior gold over the uh, the proud Canadians. But uh, but in any case. Thanks so much. That's all the time we have today for the PHLY Flyers podcast. Tyler, thanks so much for joining. Yeah, man, this really was fun. I, I hope that uh, I hope I didn't embarrass you and Bill too much. I think the show went great. Okay, and uh, cool. I definitely appreciate you jumping in on such short notice. But again, thanks so much for watching. Thanks for listening, and we will have two post game shows this week. Late night post game shows. Me and Bill uh, for the games on Thursday and Friday. So if you watch these games against Vancouver and Seattle. Try to stay up a little bit later. Maybe drink that extra glass of soda, that extra cup of coffee to make sure you can stay up to watch me and Bill break it down after the final buzzer. Thanks again. We all silly like the mayor. 